welcome to the podcast In Progress by TravelFit. I'm your host, Chris Walker, the founder of TravelFit. I'll be taking you on a journey where I interview small business entrepreneurs to worldwide celebrities, where we hear each person's stories and how they overcame their own challenges to achieve their professional and personal goals in life. We dive into how to create a successful life through health, fitness, and developing a stronger mindset, and how travel can impact our life for the better. If you feel stuck in life, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to today's episode. Today I'll be interviewing Ty Nicholson. We start Ty's story back to his childhood, starting off in an upbringing that forced him to grow up quick. From the age of 16, he moved out of his house to get a job on a golf course just to escape his home. Ty's gone from a tradie, bodybuilder, to naturopath, and now digital marketer, solving problems for multiple businesses on a global scale. Ty's on a mission to create multiple incomes from different sources and live a life with purpose to look after his family and inspire and help more people to shift their life for good. He's got his program Daily Meds, which allows people to start their day the right way so that they can get the best out of themselves and the opportunities ahead of them. We touch on what it takes to be successful, a must-read book that will alter your life, the power of taking control of your life by taking control of your health, and what you can do to level up your life for good. Thanks so much for listening into today's episode and enjoy. All right, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Before we get into, you know, your story and whatnot, who are you and what is it that you do? Well, first things first, thanks for having me on, my man. My Great. name's Ty Lucas at the moment. Um, it's getting changed over to Ty Nicholson. I'm taking my partner's name, but that's that's a story for another day. So who I am is that I'm, I'm a few things. <laughs> I'm a human being, first and foremost. I'm a father uh, and I run a marketing agency. I'm also a qualified naturopath and a chippy by trade as well. So I've got a bit of back experience. Uh, a bit of experience in different fields and uh, I'm sure we're going to get into how I've transitioned through those areas of my life um, in this episode. So thanks for having me on, bro. Pleasure. So I always like to start on like, you know, where, where everything kind of started. It kind of really helps people understand like what it is that kind of shifted your perspective to where you are today from where you came from. So what was it? How was your childhood like? What was your experiences growing up and how did that kind of project you to being in this current moment okay so childhood growing up I grew up on the Sunshine Coast um, and then moving on from yeah throughout the Sunshine Coast lifestyle uh, my parents split up early on it wasn't a very nice breakup um, and yeah through, throughout that from the early ages of eight and nine years old um, that well, kind of played off as pawns between my father and my mother um, because they didn't have a good re- relationship with each other and that ended up being projected onto myself and my sister. So it was quite a, a, a tough patch to be in. And I have, 
yeah, let's get into this. I haven't, I haven't shared the, the deep and, and the, the gritty stuff on a podcast before, but let's get into this. So um, at the age of, what was it, 14, I was living with my mum at the time and she had a new partner and he was starting to tell me what to do, all those sorts of things. And as a rebellious teen, you kind of end up, yeah, you're being, you're being rebellious and you tell parents to fuck off and those sorts of things. So that's what I did one day and because I didn't want to clean or something along those lines, something pretty petty. So I ran away from my mum's place to go and stay with my dad because at the time I was really enjoying being at my dad's house because he would give me the freedom to go to the skate park by myself, all those sorts of things. He lived closer to the skate park. And at the time that was my jam. I just wanted to ride my push bike with my mates at the skate park. So I ran away to my old man's place. So that being said, I lived with my father for a couple of years then. And he had, or he still does have a a wife, Rachel as well. Um, So they, yeah, I was living with him and it ended up being quite a toxic living arrangement because of the fact that my dad hated my mom and my mom hated my dad. So out of that whole resentment, my dad and my stepmom did not allow me to talk to anyone on my mother's side of the family. And that went on for two years and I got very, um, yeah, very isolated and, and felt very lonely and it, and my dad became quite abusive uh, towards myself um, due to a whole host of things. So I felt very lonely and whatnot. And I actually moved out of home, out on my own and got myself a job on a golf course at the age of 16. So I was living by myself in a shed up the road, didn't have my license yet. So I had a car. I had some friends over the first weekend that I was living, moved out, living by myself and we drove the car around without a license, right? We're doing skids, handbrake slide, that type type thing, as you do as a 16-year-old. Maybe not everyone does it, but we were doing it because it's fun. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) So we ended up getting pulled over by a a guy up up the road. He came out in the street and pulled us over and said, you know, you guys can't be doing that. And he was really angry because he had younger kids and completely understood that. At the time, I didn't. I was like, oh, there's no kids out in the street or anything like that. We'll just, yeah felt like it was harmless so what he did he took the keys out of my car so that we couldn't drive away and he's like what's your old man's name or whatever was his number so I gave it to him and at this point in time I was very scared of my dad because I'd had quite a few floggings verbal abuse those types of things Um, so I was instantly in a state of fight or flight so I ran into the bush because I knew that I was going to get a flog in on my lifetime. This was the first weekend that I'd gotten away and was looking after myself as a young adult. (laughs) And so I ran away through the bush and my dad was calling me relentlessly and threatening to, yeah, really give me a good flog in and, and also said that he was going to kill me. So I was absolutely shit scared um, and felt hundred percent, on my own then I didn't I didn't have my house to go back to because I I was looking after myself was only just up the road from my dad's place so I didn't I knew it wasn't safe to go back there I didn't I hadn't spoken to anyone on my mum's side of the family for two years 
And so I, I didn't have anyone direct. I didn't even have their phone numbers at this time. So I had no one directly to, to call or to ask for help. I was, I was, I was on my own. Um, and I ended up calling my best friend's mum. So Jake Casabon's mother, Tina, love you. <laughs> she came and, uh, she came and picked me up, uh, from where I was hiding in the bush and took me home and took me in for a week or so. And then my grandparents came over and got me because she, my grandparents lived just up the road from Tina. So I ended up moving back in with my grandparents um, in, in the Sunshine Coast here and just lived with them for the next couple of years, finishing out my first year as a greenskeeping apprenticeship. So that's, um, that's my childhood on the Sunshine Coast. There was a lot of really good parts, but I thought that we'd get into, you know, the juicy bits like throughout my childhood, very sporty kid, did very well in every sport that I went into. So age champion, multiple years in a row in the sports realm, academically, wasn't about it <laughs> wasn't very present as a kid at, at that time because I felt like the the curriculum that I was learning it just did not spark my interest I remember English being told that I had to do an assignment on Cleopatra and read the book and I was like what relevance does this have to my life like I don't care so I was, I was pretty absent on the academic side throughout high school and uh, primary school however on the sporting side I excelled because I loved that and I knew that I was good at it so that's my childhood in a nutshell um, yeah sporty kid yeah had a bit of issues with family as I'm sure a lot of us do um, but yeah I've come out I've come out as the individual that I am today because of it I think it's good to really reflect on those things because, you know, we're, we're living in a time where it's highlight reels all the, all the time and no low right reels. So like projecting that, like, like I, I mentioned this the other day, I um, had a chat with someone on a podcast and I said, like, everyone's so kind of obsessed with the highs and everyone's trying to project this picture of like, like my dick's dick this big and like, I've got it all sorted, but no one really talks about all the shit that they went through at the start that got them to that point. And yeah. I think it's so important to, for people to listen in because it, it creates that awareness that people aren't alone. Like we all go through so much and we experience so many different things and it's okay to be like, you know what, my childhood was pretty average, but you know, it gave me the opportunity to be where I am today. Like you're outstanding at what you do today. Like it's so like, just for people listening, I have like so much love for this dude because like he's just so inspiring. Like he's, you know, going from chippy, uh, personal trainer, bodybuilder, naturopath to now a digital marketer and killing it in everything that he does. Like, but having the circumstances of where you were at the start, you wouldn't have, like you might have known, but other people would have looked around and been like, this dude's going nowhere. Mm, 100%. And, you know, I can relate with that, you know drink driving record when i was 17 called on my learners same thing rebelling being in a foster care for a bit there and just i explained this to someone the other day i said people in these predicaments at the time it's not because they're trying to be a dick or what because they're trying to fight back or rebel back it's because they're just trying to do the best that they can with what they know and they're trying to keep themselves Mm. safe and that's all you were really doing you were just like like I do not want to get beat up or killed. So I'm going to do the best I can to look after myself. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's it. That's a stress response. Like it's we're, we're human beings, we're survival. We're made for survival. So that's what we're going to do best is get the hell away from something or fight 
as much as as hard as he can yeah. to get out of that situation. And I think you know, touching on like you know surviving, you know that fight or flight, you know your your uh, synthetic nervous is synthetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. Like a lot of people don't realize that these are the things that project project like what your emotional state is going to be like how proactive you are how healthy you are so can you touch on like how important it is to actually understand these things and how they can actually help shift people's perspectives yeah absolutely so when we're looking at the different types of nervous systems so as you said parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system states so to put that in simple terms it is your fight or flight state or your rest and digest state so we need both they're both very important and the most popular or well-known chemical that is associated with your fight or flight is cortisol, right? Everyone knows about that and it's, and it has become quite villainized in, yeah, people talking about it, right? So cortisol is the devil. It's, it's doing this. It's, it's creating havoc in the body, but the body creates chemicals for a reason, it's just our environment as to how those chemicals are released in our body. So if we think back to ourselves as cavemen, why did we have cortisol? What does cortisol do? Puts us in, a, in that flight or fl- fight or flight stage. So when we've got elevated cortisol in the body and we are in that state or fight of fight and flight, then we are going to put blood into the areas that we need to fight or get the hell out of there. So that's going to put blood into our legs, our arms. We're going to have long vision. Why do we have that as cavemen? Because if a fucking tiger jumped out of the bush, you needed to be really quick, right? And you need to make decisions very fast. Why cortisol and the fight or flight, you know, state of nervous system is villainized in this day and age is because we jack it up every single day. Now, how do we do that? Drinking copious amounts of caffeine you know, being putting more and more on our plate in our work life, in our family life, in our financial life, those types of things, they crank up our nervous system. And if we have chronic cortisol, yes, that's a bad thing. But if it's not chronic, cortisol is your friend. You need that. If you don't have cortisol and there's someone that comes out and is trying to rob you down a dark alley and you're just like all blase, you're going to get fucking robbed, right? However, if you've got a good amount of nervous system function there where you've got cortisol to be your friend and punch him in the mouth and run away, you're doing all right. Now, parasympathetic on the other side, that is very important. We need that for rest and digest, right? So when we are resting and digesting, it's exactly that. So if we've got jacked up cortisol, then it's hard for us to rest and not digest because our blood isn't in and around our vital organs to digest the food that we've consumed so that we can assimilate that food into usable particles in our body so that we can repair muscle, digestive functions, brain functions, all those sorts of things. So when the simple things like breath work and, and, and yoga and those types of things that you touch on quite a lot, they help out with that because in our everyday life right now, we end up in that state where we are jacked up all the time, even though when there's not a big threat, because we may watch the news as soon as we wake up in the morning and have a 
hot cup of joe, what's that doing? It's jacking up our cortisol. You, you look at, you know, doom and gloom on the telly. That's putting us into a state of anxiety at the start of the day, right? So that, that's the, and when you're like, that just puts you into your empowering and disempowering thoughts as well, which we can touch on and, and what we touched on a bit at, at your Travel Fit event as well. Yeah. So for people listening in, Ty actually does the mindset stuff called MindFlex. And it's epic. It's like ridiculous. Like even on the retreat, when you're touching all these different fundamental things and even when, you know, touching on like your personality, for instance, like, you know, going from chippy to a PT, mm. to a, you know, into a bodybuilder, into naturopathic, how did your perspective in those situations change? And how did you regulate your own nervous system, especially when you're going through being a bodybuilder? Mm, yeah, so there, there's a story. So but let's touch on that. So as soon as I finished up that, that, golf, that golf job, I got an invite to go to FIFO. For those of you who don't know what FIFO stands for, it's fly in, fly out. And I was doing that in WA at the age of 18. So I was flying in and out of Western Australia in the Pilbara. So four weeks on away at work and one week off. So terrible roster, not a, not a very good lifestyle for, you know, someone that is in their late teens into their early twenties. However, I did that for four years and finished up my chippy apprenticeship. So what got me out of that, you know, so I was quite stressed being out there in the FIFO world and I didn't feel whole. And while I was out there in the FIFO world, that was a lot of nervous system regulation because I was the youngest guy on the site. I got picked on all those types of things. And out there, you've got two choices on what you can do in the afternoons after work. One, you can either go to the wet mess. It's for those of you who don't know what a wet mess is. It's basically a pub in a FIFO mine site camp. So you go to a wet mess. It's just a shack that someone serves beers at. (laughs) Um, sit around in you know at tables and whinge about how shit it is about being out there not getting paid enough not seeing your family all those types of things right so you can drink beer and go and partake in that or second of all the other option you've got is to go to the gym so i chose to go to the gym i did partake in the beer drinking for a bit but i didn't find that i was in very empowering thoughts when I wasn't aware of that at that age, but I was definitely finding myself in like, you know, those loops of like, this sucks being out here. I miss my family. Like I'm not getting paid enough to be here. I'm missing out on parties. I'm not seeing my girlfriend. Is she hanging out with other guys? Those types of things are disempowering thought loops by hanging around that crowd. But when I started to choose to go to the gym instead and be around other guys at work that had a similar headspace of, you know, Let's go to the gym, work on our bodies a bit, sleep better. That's it. That was my routine out there. So transitioning from chippy to bodybuilder, that's how that started is because I ended up doing a bodybuilding um, competition. Well, that's when I started to do it while I was out there. So I met a guy out there in the gym. I looked up to him because he was jacked. He was tan. He was shredded. And all honesty, he was pretty intimidating when I, when I first seen him and I was like damn I, I kind of want to get some tips but he's a bit intimidating <laughs> nice though like he was hell nice super yeah. nice I'm still friends still friends with him that's the thing like I, the scariest dudes are usually the nicest dudes but the yeah. nicest dudes can be the scariest dudes unconsciously yeah yeah exactly right and um 
So ended up having a good chat to Shane one day while we we're filling up our pre-workout or our post-workout shake or something. And he's like, how old are you, mate? And I was like, I think at the time I was 21. And he's like, oh, shit, you got a pretty decent rig on you. Have you ever thought about, you know, partaking in bodybuilding? And I was like, what? Stand on stage in a pair of shiny jocks and, and, and flex. And then he's like, well, that's what I do, mate. And I was like, oh, shit. Kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, oh, I'm all ears. Like, I, it's not something that I've ever thought about doing. Um, and I had fear around that. Like, it's pretty vulnerable to stand in a pair of shiny jocks on stage with some um, fake tan under, under lights. Everyone judging you. That's literally what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I ended up partaking in that and that was the shift. Then I, I got really, you know, when I, when I go after something, I go all in. So that's what I did with the bodybuilding. And then that transitioned me to the last FIFO job I was at was at, at, at Gladstone at Curtis Island. And I knew that there was redundancies coming up and I was at the end of my chippy apprenticeship so i'd finished that up had like a good redundancy pay that i knew that i would get if i got fired so i started being really lazy at the job so um so that i could get fired and get my redundancy instead of quitting and not getting the redundancy um sorry bechtel for yeah voicing this but yeah this is what happened <laughs> you guys got plenty of money so um so they let me go and because i even asked my supervisor i was like this sucks man i don't, I don't want to be here and he knew it because I was just eating meals six times a day while I was at work and we only got two lunch breaks and then going, I was water loading. So I was pissing every 10 minutes before a show. Um, so I was pretty useless on site for those last couple of months, which is fine because I got what I wanted and that was my redundancy. So that's what uh, transitioned me out of bodybuilding, but uh, or into the bodybuilding space and as a personal trainer. So I'd finished my PT, um, certifications whilst I was doing FIFO because that was my plan was to go and become a personal trainer so I got my wishes did my bodybuilding show I lost my first show uh long story short um it was uh, there was four people on stage I came fourth and it was a massive hit to my ego but I didn't go all in on that because on that first show because I just finished up FIFO I went and hung out with a few of my friends and went to a couple parties, those types of things. So I cheated on my diet or my training regime. I didn't give it a hundred percent. So I came back next time, gave it a hundred percent. I ended up winning the next show. So that was in a, in a space of six months. And that's what transitioned me into personal training. There's a whole big story with that. It took, you know, I moved down to the Gold Coast to become a PT at my friend's gym. When I moved there, he said that the gym was ready to go, but it hadn't even been fit out yet. So I'd gotten a rental. I just went over to a trip in America, um, spent a heap of cash over there <laughs> with, with the missus at the time. And um, yeah, moved to the Gold Coast with a rental and didn't even have a gym to get clients at, let alone that had any members at yet for three months. So I was just spending money. So that's, that's where I got myself to after FIFO. Those years of FIFO, I had no savings left. I had borrowed $500 off of my mum to get groceries on the last week. And then long story short, ended up making it happen as a personal trainer because I went all in and became one of the most popular bodybuilding coaches in the Gold Coast at that time. So the the shifts in nervous system were quite large there because it's quite stressful to think like 
you know, I've got $500 left that I've borrowed off of my mum. I have to make this work or I'm going back to FIFO. So for me, it was more the pain of going back to FIFO and not seeing friends and families and being in the position that I wanted to be in as a personal trainer was worse than only having $500 in the account. So I made it happen. And you usually notice like I can relate to that so much because like even, you know, when I did worked at a corporate gym on the coast here, when I first moved here from London, I was signing people. I was sending about 200 messages a day on a brick phone because my iPhone broke when I moved back from overseas. And you know how hard it is to, to ride on a fucking Nokia when you go <laughs> just like trying to get one word at a time. And like, you know, I, I was doing that and I had this shit as like, well, it did me well. This laptop like that I had was like, it was with me for a few years. So every time I turned it on, it sounded like a jet plane was about to skyrocket into the air. And it was, you know, you got someone there, you're going to try and like get, get onto PT and you're like, do you mind just waiting 10 minutes for this to load? And, you know, everyone in the gym's like, what the fuck is that noise? And it's just like, and, and like, but the thing is like, I was using a brick phone, a shitty old laptop, and I still managed to build my PT business up to 100K because mm. like you, it was like, it's all in or it's, you're going home. Yeah, yeah. And so they I say burn the, burn the ships. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great analogy, one, that, that, that burn the ships, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what book is that out of? I, I read it. I know you. I heard it off uh, Tony Robbins, possibly. It's in a book that I've read this year. It could be Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or Think and Grow Rich, possibly one of those yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go Rich, really good book. Yeah. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, excellent book. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like just being able to, in those times, regulate that, like that nervous system as well. Like, although you're in fight or flight and you're like, you're, you're probably stressed and you're overwhelmed and you can't really think properly, you're still managed to actually make it work what was Mm. it about what's the difference between you know what you did there and why other people can't do that with their nervous system well the biggest difference that i see and this comes up today as well and where i'm transitioning into moving into 2022 is is helping out coaches and consultants like yourself to grow an online coaching consulting business the biggest issue there that i see is that people have always got a plan b right so fuck that safety net off that's it that's literally it because if you've got that safety net there that plan b you're not going to go all in that's the fact of the matter like if you're going oh you're just dabbling you're not an entrepreneur you're not a business owner until you go this is my business and that's what i'm going to create and being strong in your language towards that going I will create this. I will make this happen. Not like, I think I might start a PT business this year. How yeah, does that yeah. feel versus I'm going to start a PT business this year and it's going to hit 100K. I'm going to sign up two people this week versus I'm going to try and sign up two people. Yeah, it's different language, right? Mm. So to me, it's the language that we use, not only with others, but with ourselves that is the biggest differentiator and having that support along the way. And it doesn't have to be a mentor or whatever. If you've got a really good friend that can hold you accountable to the actions that you take and they'll, they'll give you the hard truth and go, 
look, Chris, you didn't put the fucking work in this week. That's why you didn't get the result. Not, oh, you're doing your best, mate. It's like, no, you said you were going to do this. Why didn't you do it? What's your excuses? You said at the start of the week you would complete this. You didn't have any excuses and you said you'd commit to that. So what's changed? And the biggest projector for me as at that time as making it as a personal trainer, uh, when no one knew, I wasn't from the Gold Coast, I moved there. Like no one knew who I was at all. Um, so it, it only took me two years to be one of the most booked out personal trainers in the Gold Coast down there. And I had never done PT before. So pretty crazy. So what stretched me was the people that I was hanging around and where I wanted to go. So I was going and learning from the best straight away. So at the time, Luke McNally was a massive influence in the fitness industry and Charles Poliquin. I got one-on-one time with Charles Poliquin. Like I paid for that, but that's what trajected me. So when I was hanging out with the Luke McNally's and the Charles Poliquins in my first year as a PT, okay, I can say Charles Poliquin is flying all around the world teaching people how to get results with their clients. That's where I want to be. That's where I wanted to be at that time. I wanted to be a world-class coach. And that's what I created for myself. I was a world-class coach. So that was the biggest thing that that shifted me. Whereas other people, they weren't like, it's up to us what what information that we consume. I, I chose to consume information from the people that I wanted to be like or be similar to or we can listen to our friends and families and the news and the mainstream narrative of get your safe job, don't go out of your comfort zone, get, you know, go to university, then get a then a, get a mortgage and be in debt for the rest of your life. Like, you know, yay, congratulations, you just got into debt for signing up to a uni degree. Oh, yay, congratulations again, you just got yourself another, you know, 500 to a million, million dollars in debt for your home loan that you're going to be paying off for the rest of your life. And then like, you've been stuck within that confined box that you've kind of created for yourself too, I guess, right? Yeah. So we, we've got our choice. Do we listen to our friends and family that are like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Like that's a bit of a risk. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to go and listen to yourself and go, this feels right. Like this is my gut feeling saying this is what I want to do and you fucking go after it. All right, who else is doing it? I'm going to go hang around with them and listen to them more than my friends and family. Your friends and family aren't always going to agree with what you're doing, and that's okay. But you don't have to take that on as truth. What is truth is your truth and the effort that you put into it. Which is the biggest thing. Like, yeah, I remember for years, like even like growing up in Orange and stuff, like similar thing. Like academically, I wasn't at the. I wasn't really. I was like I said, labelled with having an intellectual disability but like i said everyone the system i was the same on a student them. yeah yeah <laughs> like you know like it, if you're not invested in something you can't invest yourself in something mm. and you know if what they're teaching isn't really applying to what you want out of your life then you're never going to relate and you're never really going to excel and so the story was around town in orange like oh that's just you know work chris works in bars and clubs and stuff and whatever and you know when I mentioned this on the podcast the other day, someone said to me, I called, I was working in a bar and he's like, Oh, what are you up to? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, studying to be a PT and you know, I'm going to do that. And this motherfucker laughed in my face <laughs> and he's like, you, you're going to be a PT. There's no way. And I was like, mm. 
sweet, bro. Well, you know, anyway, you keep pulling your dick um, and I'll keep mm. doing what I'm doing and finish this course and show you. And the thing is, like, if I listened to him and I just retreated, I wouldn't have done half the shit I've done today. Absolutely. that That's a massive one because people will just be like, yeah, yeah, I'm all excited, motivated about something. And then, you know, your partner or your mum or your dad or something will go, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Like that's going to happen. And then it's just like unravels the whole thing. And it's just like, all right, what, what's going on here? It's, you know, you're trusting someone else's truth over yours and, and that's creating the lifestyle that you're having. Like that, that's it. How did you continue to have that self-belief in yourself going from a chippy to a bodybuilder to a naturopath? Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, well, I can, well, it's the same process and, and every single one. And I've got my reasonings behind every single one. So any transition, it's a massive identity shift. And the biggest one for me was going from a bodybuilder. So for the listeners, I was one of Australia's top amateur bodybuilders in classic bodybuilding. I got my last round of competitions. I won the Queensland titles. Then I won the world qualifier. I got invited to go and compete in Spain uh, for Australia. And then my last competition was the Arnold Classic and I came runner up there. So I knew um, at that last competition that it wasn't for me because I didn't have that passion there. Like I just went up on stage, I went and did my routine, flexed, all that sort of jazz, but I didn't have that, you know, that exciting, passionate feeling that, you know, those butterfly feelings. Mm-hmm. I got that more from seeing my clients get up on stage than me actually competing. So that's when I realized that I'm a coach. And when I decided that I wasn't going to bodybuild anymore and that I'd been speaking with a friend of mine and a close mentor, Matt Leggy, and he's an naturopath. And that was the first time that I actually learned that health is holistic. It's not a physical image. It's you as a human being. And when he started talking about gut health and environment, the language, all this stuff, I was like, damn, I've just been looking at training and nutrition. That's it. <laughs> and, and just for physical shape, not even for performance or for mobility or anything too much. It was just physical shape on stage. So that was a huge identity shift for me going from one of the biggest, leanest guys in the gym that everyone looked up to. And I decided at that time, I don't want to be muscly anymore. I want to focus on being a surfer again. (laughs) So I was 106 kilos after the Arnold Classic, after my rebound. I still had abs. I wasn't a fat 106. And at the current point in time, I'm 83, 84 kilos. So I've lost yeah a good amount. Um, but the, the, the next round of shows that I went to, cause I still had quite a few clients in the bodybuilding space. I had over 20 clients in the Queensland show the next time, but I'd completely changed all of my nutrition, my training and everything towards surfing. So I had lost 15 kilos in the space of six months so that I could be more mobile, more agile for surfing. Mm-hmm. And the comments that I got were hey, bro, are you sick? Have you got something wrong with you? Like, Because people weren't used to seeing me at such a smaller size and a different shape. And and that hurt because, I, you know, like that was a massive hit because I'd built up a reputation 
from the physique that I had. And that's why people were coming to me as a bodybuilding coach because they're like, Ty looks great and he's doing well in the bodybuilding scene. I'm going to go get coached by him because he's having success. And that's generally how it happens. Um, I was also very educated as a personal trainer as well because that was the information that I wanted to consume. So that identity shift piece was massive. And all it came down to was like, what do I really want? And I really didn't want to be a bodybuilder. I just didn't want to do that anymore. I, w- I wanted to help people. Like That's my whole goal in life is to help people, ma- help them be better than what they were yesterday or the last month or last year. So that's where I, I partook in was, was that whole transition from bodybuilder to naturopath. And what an interesting story that is, walking into a natural health college, right? You can just imagine this for, for, for the listeners, 96 kilos, jacked. And the first class that I walk into is, is biochemistry. Love biochemistry. I could talk about it all day. However, when I walked into that class, there was 56 students. Guess how many males were in that class? You. <laughs> One. Right? So, I'm, you know, for the listeners, I've got a full sleeve of tattoos. At the time, I was 96 kilos, pretty muscly, and had, you know, previously used performance enhancing drugs so was i'd come off the steroids and that at that time but i was still quite jacked so stuck out like a sore thumb only male in the classroom jacked and muscly right i know poor me in a class full of girls but anyway um (laughs) it, it just did not i did not look like your stereotypical naturopath whatsoever and that's what i was there for is to have a shift in an identity in my life and that's that's what I had to go through, and it was yeah, it was such an interesting time for me because it really hurt to you know not only lose the respect from my peers in the bodybuilding space, but then also not fit in into the place that I wanted to fit in next, mm. and that all just came down to the story that I was telling in my head. What do I want out of this? And at the time, what I wanted was to change the direction in the bodybuilding space and doing it in a healthy manner. Because a lot of bodybuilders, they're not healthy. They may look aesthetically pleasing, but they're not healthy. The amount of women that I've helped out from bodybuilding shows that I've said, no, I'm not going to help you come into this show because it's too close and you'll mess up your menstrual cycle, all those types of things. And then have come back to me afterwards with PCOS and have absolutely blown the hell out and more overweight than what they've ever been from going through a bodybuilding show and then after it blown out, like it's not really worth it. So I ended up becoming less popular as a bodybuilding coach because I would say no to people if they weren't ready to do a crash, like a diet and get on stage in 12 weeks. Like I'm not about doing crash diets. Mm. I'm about helping people improve their health and longevity for the long term and look fucking good while I do it. And that'd be the biggest thing, like, especially in the bodybuilding scene, like just the, the, the negative effects from, kind of throwing your your body underneath a bus, getting run over a few times, getting back up, learning how to rewalk again after and Mm. then doing it again and again and again and again until it gets to the point where you can't rehab yourself internally and Mm. now can't have kids or there's too many negative side effects from something you haven't gotten your menstrual cycle back for four years or, you know, like all these different little things that can, can affect each person, male, female, et cetera. Do you think that there's ever going to be that gap closed in the bodybuilding industry? Or do you think this is just a repetitive cycle that's going to continue on forever? 
Well, I I, I do feel like it's going to be a, a repetitive cycle for quite some time, but um, it is pretty cool to have people like the Matt Leggies and myself. I'm not even in the bodybuilding space anymore, to be honest, but um, <laughs> um, that talk about health in the bodybuilding space because that is a massive one. And and that's why I really partook in the in the naturopath degree was the whole reasoning around that was, you know, after I'd finished up that those competitions, my sperm motility, they weren't moving, right? They were they were next to useless sperm. And my testosterone had crashed because I took the synthetics out. And at the time, like you have massive shifts in your hormones when you're not putting synthetic in, then your body's got to, you know, restart up to create natural testosterone again, all those sorts of things. And I have obviously sorted that out now, um, being, a, being a father. Um, I fixed that up. I fixed up the sperm motility and those types of things. And, and that was my whole reason behind it is because, you know, I don't. I didn't want to just be a bodybuilder that looked cool. Like I want, I've always wanted to be a father, and that was a pretty strong motivation for me to stick it out and learn about the human body, not only for to help others but to help myself become a father in the future. Mm. What would you say to someone listening in who might be, you know, on a cycle, and maybe they haven't thought about the consequences of that, like, and or maybe it's too late. How would you what advice would you give them to either fix it or to be more mindful okay so to fix it i can't give a specific answer because everyone's an individual (laughs) um so i would definitely first off i'll be starting off with going and getting some blood tests whether you are using performance enhancing drugs right now or if you've just come off it you need to know your blood work and how we look at health holistically is like it's not just your nutrition and your training and your performance enhancing drugs it's what's your home life like what do you do for a job what are all the factors that we put into place as to what gives you your health profile today because who we are as human beings we are the average of the decisions that we've made consistently over time so if i'm consistently making decisions that is not improving my health then I'm going to be declining in health, right? We're very rarely just staying at one position. We're always shifting as human beings. So it's about consistency. So if you want to make a change, you have to consistently change towards that. So having a look at your bloods is the first thing that I'll be doing and consulting with a healthcare practitioner that can actually read your bloods, whether that is for, a, and especially if it's a performance enhancing person, you need to be able to read that and and pick up okay these are in normal ranges or out and that's another big issue as well if you just get a a blood work panel from a gp they're not going to give you the full panel so you want to be looking at things like your like let's take your thyroid for instance so most blood panels will just give you a tsh which is your thyroid synthesizing hormone so that just tells us the overview of that it doesn't actually tell us what those hormones are doing so it gives you an overview if you're in normal range you're quote unquote in the normal range you're cool but the whole band yeah there's a there's a big yeah if, if we're in the average of the BMI and we're getting fatter as a human race every single year, then do we want to be normal? I want to be abnormal and on the other end. Yeah, right. Especially so the same thing. Dude who's Jack yeah. and then next thing you know, he's over, over he's obese. 
Yeah, we'll put it that way. When I used to go get my bio scans, I'd be sitting at like three or 4% body fat a couple of weeks out from show. But then I'd come up on that bio scan as obese because I was heavier than my height and weight ratio. So it's like, okay, I've got three and a half percent body fat, but I'm also in the obese category. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it doesn't always tell all the story. So when we're looking at, you, you know, thyroid, what's happening after the TSH? Is it going down the T3 pathway? Is it going down the T4 pathway? Is it going down the reverse T3 pathway? What is it? So there's multiple factors to it. So having a healthcare practitioner, whether that is a GP that you trust and will do a full blood panel, a naturopath or whoever it may be, um, having a good relationship with someone like that and then having good communication with your, you know, practitioner is is a must because having that trust relationship and that's what i thrive on is and pride myself on is having good relationships with my clients because if we can't communicate properly you're not going to tell me the whole story mm-hmm. if you're showing up to your pt or to your gp and you're telling them oh i had you know yogurt and granola for breakfast and then i had chicken and salad for lunch and then What'd you have for and dinner? The KFC that I will never tell you about. <laughs> yeah, and then I had chicken and salad again for dinner. Did you really do that every single day? Because if you did, you probably Stop wouldn't lying be... to me, Susan. Yeah. <laughs> you probably wouldn't be overweight, Mary Muffin Top. Come mm. on. Well, what would, advice would you have for people who obviously want to look look after their internal engine and their external figure um, that's going to like complement their mind? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a gym junkie or whatever it may, whatever the the per- perspective is on it, um, because it's quite funny. Like people always like say to me, they're like, "Oh, like you know, you must eat that chicken, broccoli, brown rice all the time." And I'm like, "No, I love burgers and pizza." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I personally I follow eighty twenty. I always make sure that eighty percent of the nutrients that I get are efficient. Twenty percent is um, things that I enjoy. And that's just me mm. everyone's different. But what advice would you have for people who want to keep, you know, hormones in check and they want to, they just want something that's not just macros, protein, fat, carbs? Yeah. Okay, cool. So that that's, that's really easy and it's not so sexy. And a lot of people go straight after, you know, what's, what's the silver bullet? There, there is none because everyone's individual and where it comes back down to and every single client that I've ever had in my life, the biggest issue that they've had is they don't fucking nail the basics. Mm. And what I mean by that, and that's exactly why I've created my latest program called Daily Meds. So daily minimum effective dose. And what that means is what's the minimum effective dose that you can do with your nutrition, your hydration, those types of things that are going to get you the result that you're chasing. So what you do, you need to be consistent. So we talked about consistently just before this. So what do you do on every single day, right? So take yourself out and get yourself a diary, write down the actions that you take every day, write down what you eat. Don't lie to yourself because you it's only you who has, has to read this for a week. What did you eat? Every single thing, you know, the Snickers bar in between your, your lunch and your dinner, those types of things, that, that soda can that you might may have gotten from down at the server or whatever it is. Write all that stuff down. Then you can have an actual picture of what you're doing on a consistent basis. And then you can change that consistency with some simple habits. And this is what I 
really, you know, and four is not creating challenges in health. And that's what gets marketed a lot. You know, your four and your eight week challenges. It's not about that. It's about health should not be a challenge. It should be a habitual practice. Mm. And what I mean by that is what you do consistently every day, it'll, it'll create a habitual practice that is not a challenge. Then your health is not a challenge. So if you're getting up every single day, you're not flicking on the news and chucking down some coffee with some sugar in it straight off the bat. You're starting off the day and going, all right, I'm going to do three rounds of Wim Hof to start off my day. I'm going to write down what I'm feeling on paper, do a bit of journaling. Because when you separate yourself from the stories in your head, they're not so hectic, right? You can see the stories that are in your head and you're separating yourself from that story. Super powerful. Then from there, on the other side of the paper, all I do, so I'll get up in the morning, go do my breath work. After that, I'll have a morning dump on the toilet and then have a mind dump. I do it at the same time, right? So morning dump while I'm doing a brain dump. So I'll write down how I'm feeling, all those types of things. Then I write down three things that I'm going to complete today. Three things. So whether that is I'm going to go for a walk today. Cool. I'm going to tell Sky that I love her today. I'm going to go, you know, and create some sort of module for my business today or record a podcast. They're things that three things I'm going to do today. And if you can tick those three things off, you've just, that, that's a habitual practice. If you get up and do your breath work and do your morning dump, like that, that takes what less than 30 minutes to do. And then instead of having that coffee straight off the bat, you chuck into your gob, you know, three to 400 mil of water with a bit of Himalayan salt and some lemon in there. You're hydrated at the start of the day instead of jacking up your nervous system and depleting yourself with minerals. That kind of irritability and like rational thought process too. Mm. So starting off the day with clarity and filling up your cup at the start of the day, like that's that's not a big task to do, but if you create that into a habitual practice, that has a ripple effect. Mm. And when you're ticking things off, and you're ticking off, even if it's one thing a day, if you're super busy, as one thing a day, you tick that off. You start to, you know, you build confidence in yourself. That starts to build consistency, ticking off every single day. More and more confidence. What does that create? I can do more things. Maybe I can do two things this next week. Momentum flows where effort goes. Exactly right. Which is so huge. Yeah. Where is it that you see yourself in the next five years with everything that you're doing? Ooh. Five years, five years. Okay, so where I see myself in five years is traveling around the world, lecturing. I don't like the word lecturing, actually. So teaching. So teaching and educating others on their health and performance and helping out coaches and consultants do the same with their clientele. That's where I see myself in five years. And I see myself doing this with my family and who my family is is Sky, Oki, and our future children. Yes, perfect. And you're starting your journey on a bus next year too, right? Yeah. So as of yeah, next March on my birthday, 25th of March, we'll be setting off in our bus. So we've got a Toyota coaster that we're doing up. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got our newborn Oki and um, we'll be cruising around in a bus, podcasting, you know, holding breathwork events, those types of things wherever we are at, at a given point in time, going surfing, 
and create an online assets because to me that's fun and it's an adaptable income in these current point in times which is super powerful two last things what is one book you'd recommend for someone to read right now if they're feeling lost whether that be personal or professional and what is it that you would say to someone right now who might be on the edge or might be thinking about pursuing their own personal legend, pursuing their own life's purpose. Okay. First, first on book recommendation, breaking the habit of being yourself by Joe Dispenza, my all time favorite book. I read it every single year. So if you haven't read that, it's fucking life changing. Okay. Currently reading is um, becoming supernatural. Yeah. Such a good book as well. I've read all of his books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and second of all, ask for help. That's it. As simple as that, ask for help Mm. and ask for help from the right person. Don't be scared to ask for help. A lot of people, you know, let their ego get in the way of asking for help. That's what I did. And if you have to pay someone for that help, then sweet. But if it's someone that you're asking for help and they just completely ignore you, they're not the right mentor or helper for you. So that. All your listeners, they know who you are. I'm sure that you're willing to give them a hand, right? And, oh, or if yeah. you can't help them, you're going to steer them in the right direction. And any of your listeners that want to reach out to me, same thing. If I can't help you, I'm not going to bullshit you and tell you I can. I'll steer you in the right direction. So ask for help. Where can people find you if they want to reach out for help, watch your journey unfold, or you know maybe get some advice or mentoring off you? Yeah. So you can marketing to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't even touch on the digital marketing side of things, but that that's a that can be a podcast for another day. Yeah. Um, so you can reach out to me on Instagram at break.plateaus or www.breakplateaus.com. That that's my website and my Instagram. They're the two places that I'm most active. Or if you wanted to just email me, you can do that also at hello at tylucas.com.au. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today and jumping on the podcast. It has been so good. Like you were, <laughs> some of the things you were just saying before, I was just like, well, my brain was just like, why haven't I ever thought about some of these things? Or like, <laughs> why, where, where was like, even for me, like where was this stuff when I was kind of, you know, growing up and, and everything in between. So like there's so much, if you listen, if you really listen in, there's a lot of the things that we'll talk about today that can help you finish your puzzle or even help you bring out a new puzzle that's going to give you the new picture to the new life that you've always wanted so thank you so much for jumping on today i really appreciate your time your effort and everything that you do to inspire other people to change their lives whether that be through business and digital marketing or mentoring or coaching people um but all the best for the future i can see so much happening and i fucking love it it's so (laughs) you know talking to you like you know what a few months ago when we first kind of caught up properly um instantly i knew i was like this dude is like someone i want to be a part of my drive because just like energy uh on the same wavelength and just like wanting to make an impact so i can't wait to see what unfolds for you and i'm really excited 
Absolutely, man. I really appreciate you having me on and, and very grateful for the opportunity. So thank you very much, my man, and more mandates to come and getting some of those banana breads and coffee going in the, we in the growing week. Banana bread and coffee here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much again for coming on. No worries, brother. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening in, guys. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and got some value out of it. If you did get some value out of that episode and you really did enjoy it, then share it with a friend or family member. Share us on social media, leave us a review, and help us make a bigger impact in the world today. The more we can inspire people to better themselves and level up their life through self-development, whether it be one little tip here or there, makes all the difference. And you might even save a life. Again, thanks so much for listening in. And we'll see you next time.